I got a flyer from Pizzaville, and I just started crying. I just miss JV so bad. <laughs> this is 416 Basketball, and this is a podcast. After watching some of the preseason, I'm starting to sour on the Raptors a little bit. When it comes to the preseason, I understand it's not smart to read too much into it. But I look at that as you don't read too much into the positive things you're seeing. Because a lot of times you're playing against non-NBA players or guys who won't be significantly in the other team's rotation. But when you're seeing negative things out of guys you expect to be in the Raptors' rotation, I think that's a red flag. Because you look at someone like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, he's been terrible in the preseason, just absolutely terrible. And... I think he's a guy a lot of people, including me, expected to come in as the backup power forward and play like 15 minutes per game. In the preseason, we've seen Jefferson get some minutes at small forward, and I don't like that at all. I think that's just brain dead. He is not a small forward. He cannot shoot. Um, And he cannot defend on the perimeter. So it's like, why would you ever play him at the wing? It doesn't make sense. I think at power forward, in theory, he could bring some interior defense or guard the middle of the floor a little bit. But it just, it, it it makes no sense that he would ever play small forward. So I don't know why he would get minutes there. Someone who should get minutes at small forward. I think Stanley Johnson, he's also been bad in the preseason, and we saw Nick Nurse chew both these guys out uh, for not playing well defensively, not doing the things that they should be doing. Um, I believe in Stanley Johnson as a perimeter defender. We've seen it um, when he was on the Pistons. I think... The issue with him is he's going to likely be a zero on the offensive end. And I think that might be something you have to live with. But I think the Raptors aren't going to have the luxury of having a deep bench this year. So I think Stanley Johnson is going to see minutes. um, And he's likely going to see minutes at that, that, I think, backup small forward position. He potentially could see minutes at, you know, shooting guard as well if the Raptors um, are in desperate need of somebody else there, but I don't think they should be. Because, you know, at shooting guard, I feel like the Raptors are probably okay because, in my opinion, we should be starting Fred Van Fleet at that spot a lot so he can play alongside Kyle Lowry because I didn't think those are our two best guards so like I get that you want a guy to play his natural position but play your best guys if you can play your best guys you know 
if you're closing games with Van Fleet and Lowry because they're that's part of your best lineup, why wouldn't you start the game like that as well? It just doesn't make sense to me. I like Norman Powell. I think he's good, and I wouldn't have a problem if he started, but I think he's just... He's good, but like I don't think he's very versatile in terms of his skill set. But you know, for for a guy off the bench, I I think he'd be one of our best bench players. Um, so I think between him and Van Fleet, I think that shooting guard position is covered. We could see some, I guess, Terrence Davis in there if we have uh, Van Fleet playing point guard, but. I think if if we're starting Van Fleet and Lowry together, I think in that scenario you'd bring Terrence Davis off the bench at point guard, which I think he can play, and we've seen him play all right in the preseason. I think everyone's really excited with the energy he's brought. Uh, We saw him, I think, with the Nuggets in Summer League play extremely well and the Raptors swooped in and gave him that guaranteed money. I I think he's probably the Raptors' best addition because so far nobody else has really shown anything and I don't think he necessarily has been great. But I think his his energy is good, and he's looked like an NBA player. And I think those two things are very important um, because if you look like you belong, you're gonna get the opportunity. And I think early in Fred Van Fleet's career, he wasn't good. He Fred Van Fleet wasn't wasn't good as a rookie, but he looked like he belonged, and he ended up. Um, becoming a very good basketball player and I think Terrence Davis he's going to find an opportunity this season and I think he should be in the rotation just because of lack of other other alternatives obviously the Raptors starting point guard is Kyle Lowry that should be a shock to nobody he potentially I suppose could get rested at times this season. I have no idea. I think with him, he's going to be very important to the team's success, like he always has been. I think what's different this season that we didn't really see as much last year was he kind of took a back seat with his scoring last season and I think that was fine he turned into this elite playmaker in the NBA which I think not a lot of people I think saw coming that he you know lead I think he was leading the the east in assists for a while last season and I think one of the reasons is because our team was so good, um, he didn't need to score and he could just create for others. I think, I think he's still going to do a great job in t- 
terms of that department creating for others. Um, so I think his assists are still going to be really high because I think he's just become a great playmaker. And I think back to when the Raptors had DeRozan, I think a lot of times the ball was in DeRozan's hand and Lowry wasn't, Lowry didn't have the opportunity to create for others because the possession, it started with DeRozan. And now I think it's become the possession starts with Lowry. And I think it's going to be a good season for him as long as he stays healthy. Um, I think those points are definitely going to come up because I think the Raptors are going to need a scoring uh, with out having Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green on the roster this year. I think the one question we all don't really know is whether Lowry will be an all-star. I think last year he barely got in and he probably didn't deserve it at the time because he was going through a slump and even after he was selected to the all-star team that slump continued i think the raptors got credit um for their success getting two all-stars in Kawhi obviously uh would get in regardless and then it went to lowry over siakam which i didn't think was fair i think siakam definitely had the better regular season um and that stretch like uh from when lowry was selected to like end the season siakam went on a tear and i think siakam is a lock to make the all-star team this season but depending on the Raptors record, depending on how good this team is, we might only get credit for having one all-star. Um, and that might just be Pascal Siakam. But if the Raptors are good and somehow are on pace to win 50 plus games, I think we potentially could get that credit where we get a second all-star. And I think it would be Lowry. Um, and I think how Lowry would do it is by scoring more, and that's what should happen this season because he's a very good scorer. Um, he's a good above-the-break shooter. I think he's still good at attacking the basket. He doesn't do it as much. He's getting a bit older, but, you know, he he's a type of guy where... You feel comfortable where wherever he's putting up the shot that you know that it's a good shot. I think there's times where he's in a slump and then it gets a bit hard to watch because you feel like none of his shots are going in, but when he's his normal self and he's not putting up, you know, zero points or single digit points you feel good like he's not going to be a 50% field goal shooter but he doesn't need to be he 
takes more difficult shots. He takes a lot of threes, which is going to drive down his percentages. But you need that spacing in the NBA in today's game. Getting back to Norman Powell, the human owl. Last season, I think, was a nice bounce-back season for him after struggling. Um, He had an interesting shooting season. Post-All-Star, he only shot 34.9% from three. Post-All-Star, he shot 48.4% from three. I think that 48.4% is not something you can expect for him to shoot this season but I don't think it's like oh yeah he's going to revert back to that preseason number or that pre-all-star number because you know his December um that's what really really drove down the that pre-all-star three-point percentage because in December he only shot 18.8 percent but I remember him shooting really well to start the season last year um I think in October he shot 43.8%. So, like, I think Gasol, a lot of people give him credit for um, the entire team shooting better post-All-Star. And I think there's a little bit to that, but I think the Raptors' schedule also got a lot easier. Um, So don't think like no what i'm saying is norman powell's not going to shoot 50 close to 50 percent from three this season it's just not going to happen that's just not not who he is that's really not who any player is in the nba but he i think he can be good and i think the thing with norm is that what else does he do besides shoot and where else can he shoot efficiently because if he's not making threes I think it gets a bit rough for him because he's a type of guy um who can take a lot of mid-range shots and I think he's okay from the mid-range, but we don't like the mid-range NBA in the mid-range NBA the mid-range N- anymore in today's NBA. Um, and he's not the best at finishing around the rim, so he really he really does need that three-point shot. And it's for him to take that next step. It would be. It would be at needing to add some some additional skill, whether it's playmaking, whether it's better rebounding, whether it's better defense. And now I know at times he can be a good defender and it leads to these great transition plays like we've seen in the playoffs. I remember against the Pacers several years ago, big steal, turnaround dunk, and... That I think that really saved the Raptors in that series. It really, really was the turning point. Um, and he he can turn it on like that. He has he has that energy which I really like about him. But I think 
I think he needs he needs to add something if he's going to take that next step and he sees himself as a guard and he's six four. He is a guard. He is a shooting guard and that's his natural position. But I think if he would be able to switch a little more defensively, um, I think it would help the Raptors. I think him being a little less stagnant in the offense, I feel like sometimes he just it doesn't feel like he fits in like the half court um, because I don't know if he is you know purely a catch and shoot guy because he likes having the ball in his hands. But I like Norm. I've always been team Norm and. I think I think it's paid off for me because, you know, I was ready to go down with the ship on him. Um, I was never going to quit on him because what we saw early in his career and how good he was, how he turned up in the playoffs, like I mentioned against Indiana, against Milwaukee early on in his career um, when he shot like 91% from three <laughs> against the Bucks in that series. That was tremendous. And you can't think that like it meant nothing in the years of struggle that he was just done. You you just couldn't I couldn't think that way and it's nice to see him bounce back last year and I'm I'm hoping he he at least repeats that. Maybe he adds a wrinkle somewhere where he gets a little bit better, but we'll see. At small forward, I'm assuming OG Ananobi will start. I think that's just one of the situations where it it's too obvious. Like, why would he not start? Where are there options that are going to displace him? Um, as a rookie, he was good starting at small forward. He was very impressive. Um, last year, didn't really improve, regressed in his three-point shooting I'm just going to write off all of last season. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Um, his dad died and then he missed, I think, a large portion of training camp. I think he missed a lot of the preseason, missed some regular season games, I believe. Um, had I think he had some injuries and then he had his appendix burst. So... We didn't see him at all in the playoffs, even though I think we were all expecting him to come back because it was reported that I, I believe originally that he was supposed to come back in that Buck series and then never ended up coming back at all. Um, I think if the Raptors were super desperate in the finals, we potentially could have seen him, but the Raptors weren't desperate in the finals. We weren't desperate. Uh we beat the Warriors, were the NBA champions, and we didn't even have OG. Um, I think this season, I think, is a big opportunity for him. Because I think he could take the next step uh, beyond what we saw from him as a rookie. And as a rookie, I think analytically... Um, 
he was terrific that you look at his shot chart and it was corner threes or it was at the basket. Like, those are the best shots, and that's what he was doing. Um, so he kind of fit perfectly in today's game. Didn't really play with the ball in his hands. Played a, basically just like catch and shoot and like attack a little bit. Um, or finish at the rim, but he was never a guy that commanded the ball. Um, and I think this season he potentially could have the ball in his hands a little more, but if he's playing with that starting lineup, I still think he's more of an off-the-ball type guy because we have guys in our starting lineup that are very good with the basketball. But I think with OG, I think the one thing we forget um, was how good his defense was as a rookie, you know, the two games I remember, I believe, we played against the Rockets. I believe he shut down James Harden, and that's massive. When you shut down an MVP caliber player, I think that definitely means something. You can say small sample size, sure, but, like, <laughs> it's still an impressive, impressive thing, and I think... He's just this great lockdown defender, whether it's perimeter or whether it's just sticking with his guy as his guy's driving. I think he's just terrific. And I think I think one thing we haven't really seen from him um, is blocks. I think, I think last season I expected to see him block more shots, playing more power forward. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen if he's shifting more towards back towards small forward this season, but I think we could. I think that's something that that could could be on the table for him because I think in college he was blocking more shots, um, so I think it's something that he potentially could have in his back pocket. Um, but he's a very good defender, I think, and. You, you don't need to block shots necessarily to be a good defender. I think a lot of times there's these guys that block a lot of shots that it doesn't help their defense because they're gambling or you know like jumping out of position trying to get that block, trying to anticipate. And the same as with steals. Like you try and just lunge at the ball um, for that steal. You could be a good steals guy, but you might not be a good defender. A good defender and I think he could also be a good steals guy this season I think more minutes trending I think he could trend close to 30 minutes per game this season I am at 28 minutes per game um I think that steals number is going to be like 1.25 in that area and I think that's very good I think I I think He's really the guy that if you're asking who could take that next leap for the Raptors, I think it's him. And I think a year ago we were talking about OG being the Raptors' best asset. Obviously now it's Pascal Siakam. Um, But after Pascal Siakam gets paid, and I think a lot of people are assuming Siakam 
gets a max ex- extension or close to a max extension. I don't know then if Siakam value-wise is our best best asset because yes, he is our best player, but his incredible value is you look at where we drafted him and based on where we drafted him, his that rookie deal was so low that the surplus of value he was bringing us was massive, absolutely massive. But now if we're talking about him being a max guy, it's like how much surplus value is there? Um, and there might not be a lot, which ne- might not necessarily be a bad thing, but at the same time, we saw DeMar DeRozan as a max guy, like not, like not really bring that big surplus in value. It's like, yeah, okay, he's deserving of being a max guy, but then it's where do you get that extra oomph? Where do you get that extra value from that's going to push your team um, in the future? And if he's taking up whatever X percent, whether it's 30% or whatever it is on the cap sheet uh, in the future, it's going to be harder to add add free agents. But I think with OG, I think with him, he could be this big surplus in value considering he's still on his rookie deal. But going back to Siakam, I think this season, as I mentioned, I believe he'll be an all-star. I think he should have been an all-star last season. But I think a lot of people with him are thinking he's going to take another step. And I think it's possible but at the same time, I think there's a chance where he's the same player he was last season, but like his counting stats become better. Like he's going, he's definitely going to score more this season, just because of Kawhi being gone. And somebody needs to get those shot attempts. And he is, you know, if he's our best player, of course, you know, some more shot attempts are going to come his way. But you know, scoring more doesn't make you necessarily a better player so I think there's a situation where um, I think this season where his shooting numbers could drop because we're not as good or won't be as good of a team where defenses we're able to will be able to focus more on Siakam because you know last season with Kawhi I think it really opened up a lot of shots for Siakam where I believe he was shooting like 41.6% from three on the corners. I think this season we're going to see whether that was real or not because I think the the defense will be much tighter on him and he won't get as much space. Um, I've seen some people think that he is this great three-point shooter and I think there is kind of this discrepancy between like these elite shooters and then these guys that can shoot the corner three like we know a guy like pj tucker is great from the corners 
but he's not a good shooter. So it's like there's a difference. And I think Siakam only shot like 27% from above the break last season. So he's not this phenomenal three-point shooter. I think the one area where Pascal can get better is his rebounding. I think that's the one area that he could improve a little bit because I think that's kind of the thing that holds him back from being able to also play center because I think if he becomes this really good rebounder for a big man, I think that opens a lot of doors for the Raptors because going forward beyond this season, I think the Raptors are going to have questions who our future center is. And we know Abaka and Gasol are both expiring players. So they're likely not going to be on the roster next season. So it would be very interesting to see if Siakam can play center. Because also, there's a lot of talk that Gasol is going to see rest at times this season because he was playing in FIBA. And he's getting up there in age. I think that's another question on the roster because if if that's not something that happens for Siakam, if he doesn't get minutes at center this season, it's like on games where Marcus Gasol sits or Serge Ibaka sits or one of them's injured, who is our backup center in those situations? Um, I think a lot of people think it's Chris Boucher to this date. I don't believe his contract has been fully guaranteed yet. I'm assuming he'll make the roster. We shall see. I am not a fan of Chris Boucher. I think we've seen him put up some stats in the preseason. that don't really mean a whole lot. Like, when you're playing against, like, these benches of these other preseason teams that have a lot of guys that aren't going to be in the rotation, and you're scoring on them, you're rebounding on them, that doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. And I think with him, his size, we saw last season him get pushed around a lot, and... I think if he's playing inside, I think that's a real concern. And another thing is, if he can play on the perimeter, I think that would alleviate those concerns. But that's, again, something we haven't really seen him do in the preseason. He's not playing on the perimeter. And last year, he didn't really play a lot of meaningful minutes. Um, But pre-All-Star, he was making threes. I think he's just shooting like 40% from three. He didn't take a whole lot. That's a very limited sample. But uh, post-All-Star, he was not 
hitting threes at all. Again, very limited sample. But it's like if he could add that to his arsenal, if he could hit threes, that makes him, I think, a lot more playable because he's because of his size, because of him being really skinny and getting pushed around a lot inside. I think he needs to add what or a wrinkle being able to shoot to make him productive offensively. Another guy who potentially could get center minutes for the Raptors, rookie Dewan Hernandez. Um, I believe it was the 59th pick. Um, so my expectations aren't super high for him, but I believe in one of the preseason games, um, I was impressed with him. I think I was impressed with his passing and decision making. Um, he just seemed to be in the right spots. So again, it's if you look like an NBA player, you're in the right spots. That's that's a good start, um, especially for a rookie. But beyond that, I don't know. I don't know if he's a legit capable of being an NBA player, capable of getting rotational minutes. I think that's something we'll have to see. Um, but again, going back to like uh, the power forward, um, who who's going to back up Pascal Siakam? Um, I think some people are saying, I've seen a lot of people actually say Chris Boucher there. And I think Again, that's a situation I could see if he were hitting threes, if he was stretching the, the floor. But he hasn't been doing that in the preseason. That's That hasn't been his role in the preseason. So I don't really see how he can be successful in lives where we're playing a second big. It, it just, I don't think it works. Um, but we'll see. But like, it's it's one of those situations where we have so few alternatives at the position where it's like, well, if not him, then who? Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who's been horrendous in the preseason? Potentially. Potentially, that's, that's an option. Um, I think there's another option where the Raptors go really small and try and sneak in another shooter. Um, I think someone like Malcolm Miller or Matt Thomas, uh, which I'm not really sold on either guy. I think a lot of people were excited for Matt Thomas. Um, because of his shooting ability overseas and shooting is one element and if you can be a good shooter you have a better chance at being an NBA player but you can't just be a guy who can do well in like a three-point shootout like you have to be able to run run things in the NBA game 
to show you can be a part of a team, show you can, you can just, like, just being in the right spot, I think that's one thing we haven't, I don't think we've really seen from him, and having good instincts, I think I've seen him force some shots, and I haven't really liked his form, yes, he's made some threes, but, like, other, he just really hasn't looked good, and you know, in the past, the Raptors have had good three-point shooters, but have just not been good NBA players. Like, Jason Capone always comes to mind, like, he's won three-point shootouts before, but he was never a good NBA player. You know, Marco Bellinelli, he could hit threes, but he was not good for the Raptors. Uh, Steve Novak, um, he was not good for the Raptors. Those same kind of worries about Matt Thomas, I guess can be applied to Malcolm Miller. My whole thing here is like, we don't really know which guy is better. We can't assume Matt Thomas over Malcolm Miller. Malcolm Miller has been with the team longer. Um, he hasn't seen a lot of meaningful minutes. But, you know, he, he potentially could be involved in some of these small lineups as well um, if the Raptors need shooting and don't really have uh, a guy other than Siakam that could play power forward that you can just throw one of these guys in and, and, and hope it works. But I think this is a wait-and-see thing. I haven't, I haven't mentioned... Uh, Patrick McCaw yet I think a lot of people are expecting him to be in the rotation and I think it's possible um I think with him he hasn't shown enough offensively to really warrant significant minutes for me and I think he is a capable defender, but I think at his frame, I think he's hard to switch on to different guys because he's so thin um, that he may not work. And I know the Raptors gave him a two-year deal worth $8 million, and I think that was a big mistake. I think it might have been a situation where the Raptors had a wink-wink deal with him when they signed him and stole him away uh, from the Warriors after being cut by the Cavs, I believe, in that whole controversy. Um, I think there probably was a wink-wink deal there because I don't really know who the Raptors um, were competing with to sign him this summer he felt like more of a minimum guy to me. And I think uh, he just got a lot of nice money. And um, that's good for him. But I don't think that he is now entitled to these significant minutes just because he's getting paid. But... At the same time, it's like, again, alternatives. 
he's going to probably get an opportunity at some point this season. But I just, I don't really see it. I, I think if he's go, if we're going head to head with someone like him and Stanley Johnson for some minutes, um, I think Stanley Johnson is better just because Stanley Johnson is, I think, a better switchable defender. And I think that's what you want from a guy who's going to play on the wing. At this point in time, we don't know um, what the 17-man roster will fully look like. But, you know, Cameron Payne potentially could make the team. Not too high on him. Um, I, I just don't really see a path for him because Terrence Davis is, I think, just shown... Uh, he's a lot better, so I think Terrence Davis would get whatever those minutes are at, whether it's backup point guard, whether if you're playing, um, two small guards, I think, off the bench, I think, uh, Terrence Davis would be more involved in that. Brissett, I... I guess he potentially could be involved. Um, I'm not too high on him. I haven't really seen enough out of him to think that he's going to get rotational minutes, but I guess it's possible. Uh, Isaiah Taylor looked terrible from what I saw. He just looked the worst, I would say, out of anybody that... um, his instincts uh, were really bad, uh, so I don't think he's going to be on the roster. Um, there's some other guys, but uh, I think for rotation, rotational minutes, I think I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned everybody, um, Yes, I didn't really t- talk about Marcus Sol a lot. I think when he does play, I think he will be more involved in the offense. I think last season um, he was turning down a lot of shots, not taking a lot, and I think he's going to be forced to score a lot more when he's in the game um, just because um, the shot attempts from... Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green need to be made up, um, and they're not all going to Pascal Siakam. I know I mentioned that he'll get more points, and because he'll be getting more shot attempts, but um, you know Lowry will get more more shot attempts. Um, I mentioned he'll score more, but I think Marcus Ole potentially could score a lot more too. Uh, like we saw when he was in Memphis, he was scoring more I was more involved in the offense on that team and I think you know went on a lesser team like the Raptors are a lesser team than they were last year I think he's gonna be forced to score a bit more um and I think interest he becomes interesting for something like fantasy basketball um 
you know, if he's scoring, you know, 12 to 14 points per game with the assists he brings, the defensive aspects, um, a bit of rebounds, I think he potentially could help you um, in a roto league, I think something like a head-to-head league where he's getting a lot of rest. I don't think he's really worth the risk there, but like a roto league, I think he's an interesting target. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think that's the the most interesting thing about him this season um, is he could have better stats for fantasy. The team as a whole, um, I don't really like. I don't really like um i think the raptors could very well be the third best team in the east but i don't think that means anything i don't think that means anything um there's two good teams in the east the raptors are not one of them we are not the milwaukee bucks or the philadelphia 76ers we are the other with the raptors um, I think the starting lineup could be good. Uh, but, you know, I went through the depth there. The depth is not good. Where I was saying, like, I don't know, the alternatives aren't good. Like, yeah, the alternatives are not good. And the bench is, the bench is going to suck. Like, we saw last season a lot of times where the bench wasn't good. Like, Oh, the previous season we had the bench mob. Like, why isn't this working? Why is this not happening? And now the bench even took another hit this season when we lose all that depth. Um, so I think I think it's going to shock a lot of people that this team is going to run into some rough spots. Um, like, if we have an injury to one of our starters... If one of our starters is having an off game, um, I think it could get ugly if we're playing a good team. Now, we're in the Eastern Conference. As I mentioned, two good teams. So, it might not affect our record too much. But, um, in terms of watchability, it's not going to be as good this season. Um, I think our starting lineup, as I've hinted at, I think should be Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet Sr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Marcus Soule. Um, I think I think a lot of people think Norman Powell should start over Fred Van Fleet, and um, that's a possibility. Nick Nurse could do that. Um, I think you just try and st- you should start as many of your best players as possible. And I think Fred Van Fleet Sr. is a better player than Norman Powell. So that's just the way I would go. And as I mentioned, if you're closing lineups, you have the trust in Fred Van Fleet closing lineups with Kyle Lowry. You see how good that works. Why would you not Why would you not go there in the starting lineup? Um, I haven't talked much about Serge Ibaka. He, he potentially, I guess, could start if we see some slippage in Marcus uh or games where Marcus is resting. Um, I think with Ibaka, we were 
or I'm gonna say not gonna say we because I think just a lot of people were down on him um, headed into last season. I saw a lot of people I remember saying, "Get him off my team! This guy's shit. Uh, just just get rid of him. I don't care. Just get rid like he's garbage." Get, get rid of him for nothing. I just don't want him on my team anymore. And um, at the time, I think I was saying, um, yeah, he wasn't playing well. He had uh, the previous season, not last year, but the season before, he was not good. Um, he was not good closing that season, and he wasn't good in the playoffs. I think a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth. Um, and he had a nice bounce back here this last year and I think um a lot of people have forgotten about the bad things they said about him but uh, I remember saying that I saw him as being uh you know capable of having this bounce back season as this bench commodity and I think we saw at times he was playing at the level of a starting caliber player so that's better than where I thought he would be. But um, I think the one thing we saw from him was his three-point shooting totally disappear. That's just not his thing anymore. But at times we see this burst of energy out of him um, playing at center, which seems to be more of a natural position for him. Um with these really nice dunks, these really nice defensive plays where he's blocking shots. Um, so I think he's just more comfortable and more useful um, as as a center. We saw in the playoffs, um, though, where the Raptors, you know, were playing him and Gasol together. It worked. Um We'll see if um, there's any of that this season, but um, he's getting up there in age as well. Could be decline. Maybe he has the same season he had last year. Um, he's kind of, I would say, candidate under the radar to you know score fifteen plus points per game this season. Maybe even like sixteen points per game as I want to say the third leading scorer on this team because I think that that's a real question is who's going to pick up the points um as I mentioned I think Pascal Siakam's our best player I think the more shot attempts I think he's definitely gonna be our leading scorer at 20 plus points per game I think Fred Van uh Fred Van Fleet um he potentially potentially could be in the mix for the third leading scorer as well um Lowry as I mentioned dip last year in points per game but I think um knowing that we need him to score more I think he's going to score more I think he's gonna get to that like maybe 17 points per game range and I think that makes him our second leading scorer um, so, you know, that, that third, that third, third spot, it's like, who's going to, who's going to accumulate the points there? Um, could be Fred, could be Serge, 
could even be Gasol. Um, if he's a bigger part of the offense, uh, he is pretty efficient, I want to say, from the majority of areas on the court. Um, there were at times last season um, in the playoffs, I believe, where he was taking these corner threes, and I didn't really like that because, you know, that's not his shot, and I, I don't think it is. Um, but aside from that, you know, he can shoot above the break, he can shoot mid-range, he can shoot in the paint. Um, I'm comfortable when Marcus Gasol is shooting, but he actually has to shoot. He cannot pass up shots like he's DeLon Wright. Um, DeLon Wright, you know, wasn't a great shooter on when he was on the Raptors, and he's still not a good shooter in the NBA. So, you know, I got upset when he wasn't shooting, but, you know, maybe there was some reason there that he couldn't hit open shots, or he didn't trust himself to hit these open shots. But, you know... Marcus Hull should trust himself to hit open shots. Uh, he should trust himself to to shoot inside, even when he has a man on him, because he uh, he can finish. He can finish over people. So, um, I think, I think this team. Uh, there's not a big margin of error because the depth is not good. Um, I think we're gonna see if nick nurse is really this great coach or whether he is just a middling coach because i think a lot of people forget that um the raptors could have lost to philly it could have happened and there would have been all this outrage and um sure nick nurse would have gotten a lot of the blame um, I'm sure a lot of people would have said, oh, we shouldn't have traded for Kawhi, but that, that aspect would have been nonsense, uh, because that was just a great trade regardless of whatever the outcome was going to be, um, but you look to even the, the Orlando series, we dropped game one and everyone was shook. Everyone was shook. I was pretending not to be shook. I was a little shook. I was a little shook. You can't go year after year losing these game ones in the playoffs that you should clearly win. Um, I don't think that there's anything particularly bad Nick Nurse did in that game, but it comes back to preparation. And uh, I think year after year, the Raptors just weren't, weren't prepared heading into the playoffs. And that was a little troubling at the time. We obviously turned that series and uh, won the next four like we should have and moved on and played Philly. And that series was was, was pretty rough because um, it was another series where Kawhi really had to carry the offense and do everything because nobody else was hitting shots. Nobody else really seemed that they could be trusted. And um, I think... A lot of people don't really realize how how good Kawhi was in those two series. That he was just he was the best player on the face of the earth for those two series. Um, no, nobody in the league would have been able to touch him at that in that time frame. Um, and I think going back against Philly, obviously hits the shot. Um, 
that everyone's going to remember. Um, I think if that game goes to overtime, it just it wasn't trending well. The Raptors were really struggling at the time. Um, I think we probably lose, and I I don't really. I don't think that would have been an indictment on Nick Nurse 100%. Um, I think Brett Brown was atrocious in that series. Um, I think if he was doing a better job coaching, I think the Raptors definitely would have lost because the decision-making, you know, pulling Joel Embiid midway in the first quarter every game, that made zero sense. I know Embiid wasn't 100%, but Philly was absolutely torching us when Joel Embiid was on the court. You know, Embiid was third and plus minus for the entire playoffs. He only played two series. He was third in the entire playoffs and plus minus. This guy this guy was absolutely torching us. But, you know, when, when he wasn't in the game, you know, we, we were torching them. So I think just the decision-making and the rotations, those decisions, I think really costed Philadelphia. Um, I think they had to rely on, more on Embiid and really push him. I know there were, were ga- like that Game 7, they really did, and he played a lot of minutes. And I think he was giving Kawhi problems at the time because he was switching on to him and... I know Kawhi made that that sh- the incredible shot over him, but like every time I was just like, oh my god, Kawhi has to shoot over these trees, and Embiid was the biggest tree in there, and um, it was it was tough, and I think just not. I guess the one thing you put on Nick Nurse, I was gonna say for that series is not figuring out how to use other guys, not figuring out how to not put everything on Kawhi, and figuring out how to open up things for other guys because you know everyone was complaining about Philadelphia's size that's why we went went big but you know Milwaukee very big team as well um we were able to figure them out despite that series looking really bad from the jump we went down 0-2 um and then we need we won game three in a double overtime I believe and that really turned the series where we end up winning the four, the four in the r- a row, but I think the one real big criticism on Nick Nick Nurse for that series um, is we didn't have Kawhi on Giannis from game one. That's where he should have like that was an easy obvious thing, but I think he waited till game three to do that. And we saw in the regular season that when we were trying to put over the years when we try to put other guys on Kawhi, or other guys on Giannis, it never worked. It never worked, and we, in the regular season, we didn't try and put Kawhi on Giannis. I'm like, oh, we're just gonna, we're saving that for the postseason as something, you know, that's just gonna shock Giannis, and I think it did, uh, I, but I think we waited too long, and we got lucky. We got real lucky that um, we were able to win that game Game three, because I think if we don't pull out that double overtime game, we go down 0-3, I think we lose that series. So I think uh, Nick Nurse got very lucky because, 
like people were crediting him for putting Kawhi on Giannis, but that was just the obvious thing to do. Um, and I I can't believe we waited that long to do it. Um, in the finals, I think Nick Nurse definitely does deserve credit for the the box and one. I think just really tr- stopping uh, Steph Curry that was important. Um, especially with the injuries the Warriors had. It's like, who else do they have that could potentially beat us? But if you look at those games, those games um, were competitive, um, even even with the injuries the Warriors had. And when Clay was playing, um, I was scared every time the ball was in his hands. That, that, that guy, uh, I, I think out of anyone... On the war, I guess aside from Durant, uh, when the one game he played in where he was just going off in that first quarter and then before he got hurt, um, I think Clay was like the only other guy that real really scared me because like just every time it just seemed like he was gonna hit the shot, but you know he gets injured as well. Uh, tough break for them. Um, but you know winning a championship. As rookie head coach, I guess is something something positive for Nick Nurse. But I think with him, I think it's it's with this non super superstar not having Kawhi, not having this you know fantastic elite team. Is he still going to be a great coach? And I think that that's definitely a question mark heading into this season. Um, you know, I think. I think the one thing I will say, I don't believe we would have won a championship with Dwayne Casey. I think Dwayne Casey um, was very stubborn and not very creative, especially in the playoffs. I think in the regular season, I think Casey was a very good coach, but he just stuck to what worked, never, never tried to figure out a new wrinkle, never tried to figure out something that we could use down the road. And I think... Um, I think the the coaching change um, definitely helped us win a title. But um, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, and I think if the Raptors had given the job to Jerry Stackhouse, could we have won a title? Um, Stackhouse won a G League title with the Raptors nine oh five. That's that's going to be a question mark always for me. Could we have won with him and? I will never really know, but um, with Nick Nurse, um, I think not having a perfect roster, I think uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how good a coach he really is. Um, I think I think the, the one thing that people aren't really, I guess, thinking about last season is like, we won one fewer game last season than when we did the previous year. Um, and, like, regular season is like, I'm the mind of, in the mind of who cares. Like, um, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, but I think regular season wins will, will matter this season because of playoff seeding for us because we're not this elite team that it kind of matters where we finish and who we're playing a little more. Um, but, you know, having that elite team and winning one fewer game, that, that, 
you know, that that's not the best of things. I know Kawhi was rested in a in a bunch of games and we did have injuries, but like everyone always brings up like the seventeen and five w- without Kawhi, and it's like okay, so him when he did rest and not play, it didn't affect wins. So why did we not get to 60, 60 plus wins? You know, why did that not happen? And um, you know, th- we went through this massive slump. I know. Um, after Valanciunas got injured, and I think one thing a lot of people want to want to pretend didn't happen was the Raptors were great to start the season with Valanciunas, um, our best starting lineup in the regular season included Valanciunas in the starting lineup. The, it had the best net rating. You can't dispute that. You just can't because that's just fact. I'm not even trolling. You can look up the numbers. That is fact. I know Abaka uh, started in a lot of games too. Then at the beginning of the season, um, in over Valanciunas, but um, Valanciunas was really good. And um, from the point of when I think I think we were we had the most wins in the league. I want to say uh, prior to Valanciunas getting injured. Um, you know when Draymond dislocated. Valanciunas's finger. Um, from then on, it just felt like we went into a slump, and then Valanciunas never played another game for the Raptors again. Um, and then when he was able to come back, that's right when we traded for we traded for Marcus Sewell. Uh, so I think a lot of people associate, you know, this team getting a boost from Marcus Sewell, but it was. Get, like, if we would have gotten Valanciunas back, we would have been better. Uh, would have been better than we were without Valanciunas because for that stretch where we just had Abaka, um, we str- we struggled, you know. Um, you're going to struggle when you're missing a good player. Valanciunas was a good player. But, you know, all this credit up to, oh, yeah, Marcus Hull made us a lot better, really improved the movement on the offense really improve the defense. Um, I think he deserves some credit, but I think um, if we had Valanciunas instead of Gasol, I think in the regular season, I think we would have been very good. I think there are situations um, where I think I've mentioned previously on this podcast where I think, um, you know, against Vucevic, uh, Marcus Hull, really locked him down and Jonas Valanciunas typically struggled uh, struggles against Nikola Vucevic so I think you know Mark Sol definitely was better in that better in that series for us but I don't think we lose the magic with Jonas Valanciunas you know we talent wise Raptors were just I think so much better um and if you look to game one in that series um who gave up that that game winning three to DJ Augustine it was Marcus Sol. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> um, and then uh, in the series against Philadelphia, um, uh, I thought Marcus played well against Embiid, but Valanciunas, you know, historically has played well against Embiid over his career. So I think that's a series um, where I think we still. We still could have won with Valanciunas. I don't think 
Marcus will really uh, flip the script and you know change the outcome. I think we potentially could have won with Valanciunas. Um, I think where things get murky, we would have gotten murky with Valanciunas would have been the Bucks series because um, uh, historically. Um, Valanciunas does not do didn't has not done well against Brook Lopez. Um, and I thought uh Marcus played well against Brook Lopez. Uh, there are a couple games I think where Lopez beat us, but uh, I think um for the most part I thought uh Gasol played well. And I think Valanciunas at times uh you know probably would have struggled because you know. Lopez stretching out um that wasn't really something that Marcusol could do could really guard because you know we saw you know when even when Embiid was stretching out I believe like Embiid shot like 36 percent from three against us in the playoffs like Marcusol is a good interior defender I think when Brooke Lopez was inside I think that is that is where it paid off um having Marcus Ole. and then I think also offensively I think Lopez in the past has locked down Valanciunas and I think Marcus Ole was able to hit some shots against him so I think that series definitely could have been affected and uh having Marcus Ole was a plus there um so maybe we don't win a title if we don't make that trade but keep in mind the Raptors plan A at the trade deadline what we wanted to do was trade for Nikola Mirotic. That fell through because the Bucks jumped on Mirotic uh, before the Raptors could could get that deal, where I believe it would have been a three way deal where we were, were sending the lawn right to the the Magic. I want to say, but uh, yeah, so the Raptors wanted Mirotic. He was terrible in that series. Uh, so thank God we didn't make that trade. Because I think if we made that trade uh, and Miritich was getting minutes because he would just was a massive negative for the Bucks, I think we'd probably lose that series. So that's that was uh, that was lucky that the Bucks swooped in and made that deal for Miritich before the Raptors could. This has been a long podcast. It's going to take me a long time to edit. I guess I'm stupid. All righty. Take care there now.